rebellion boils over. Today, we'll see the breakup of the kingdom of Israel and see the return of the golden calf. Thanks for tuning in to The Bible Brief. On this 50th episode of The Bible Brief, we just wanted to start by saying thank you to all of our listeners, and especially to our generous patrons. We've loved reading every encouraging word through messages, emails, and reviews from our listeners. We're thankful that you've given us the opportunity to impact your life with the Bible. We continue to pray that our efforts will help you to know the Bible better, and ultimately, to know the God of the Bible better. Thank you for supporting the Bible Literacy Foundation and the Bible Brief. As we begin this episode, I want you to think back and recall what God said to Solomon about the kingdom when God was pronouncing a judgment on Solomon's sins of going after other gods. God said this to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son, for the sake of David my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. God is going to split the kingdom as a judgment on Solomon. But note this, David's tribe will maintain rule over Jerusalem. God doesn't forget his covenants, and he won't with David either. So here's where the plot begins to thicken. Soon, God sends a prophet to someone who is a servant of Solomon, and apparently helped administer some of the labor used in Solomon's building projects. You remember the building projects of the temple in Solomon's big house. Well, this servant's name is Jeroboam. And the prophet does something interesting here that we should pay attention to. The prophet takes a new piece of clothing and rips it into 12 pieces. Then he says to Jeroboam in 1 Kings chapter 11, Take for yourselves 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you 10 tribes. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand but I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant whom I chose, who kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give to you ten tribes. Yet to his son I will give one tribe, that David, my servant, may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen to put my name. And I will afflict the offspring of David because of this, but not forever." Then we have a small narrative comment about Solomon's reaction to this. Apparently, he hears about it. Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam. But Jeroboam rose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Okay, so Jeroboam is going to receive ten tribes of the kingdom, and Solomon's son will retain one tribe. Well, weren't there 12 tribes and 12 pieces of fabric that that prophet ripped up? Well, yes. And listen close. There's some new names in this episode, so pay attention closely. David and Solomon and Solomon's son were in a tribe of Israel called Judah. And Judah was the tribe being referenced here as the one that Solomon's son would retain rule over. He would have the loyalty of that tribe. But if Jeroboam was going to get ten tribes in the split kingdom, two actually needed to go to the south. Well, apparently another tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, decided to keep allegiance to Judah and its kings rather than go with the other ten tribes. 
Benjamin's territory was small, close to Judah's territory, and historically had a very close connection to the tribe of Judah. So it was natural for them to be counted with Judah rather than with the other ten tribes. Okay, so it will really be ten tribes to Jeroboam and two tribes to Solomon's son. But there's another item of note here that we don't want to miss. It's the way that the prophet makes this prophecy. He uses a physical action to demonstrate the concept of the prophecy. This is a very common occurrence in the Bible, where prophets will in a way act out their prophecies or their main message through small actions, or in some cases major life decisions. Often they're commanded by God to do these things, apparently to demonstrate intangible prophecies in a tangible physical way to the hearers, so that God's words could be shown in a way before they were done. The point is, get used to this. Prophets living and acting out the words that God has commanded them to announce. So, as God had said to Solomon, for the sake of David, God will allow the reign of Solomon to be uninterrupted by this split of the kingdom. Yet we've already been introduced to the one who will split it. And you can imagine Solomon and his son thinking about how to possibly avoid this judgment from God. But God's decision is set, and it will come to pass. And so Solomon's son takes the throne next, and this is where things unravel. This son's name is Rehoboam, and Rehoboam does not have the wisdom of his father. You see, the people of Israel were tired after the rule of Solomon and his building campaigns of the temple and his house. They needed a break, and they needed to do some lighter work. And so they appealed to the king, this king Rehoboam, to make them labor less than his father Solomon had made them labor. And among those people asking was the man we've already met, who had fled to Egypt during Solomon's reign. This was Jeroboam. And now that Solomon was dead, Jeroboam was back in Israel. Now, after Israel pleaded for lighter labor from King Rehoboam, the king decides to get some advice. He asks the old men who had helped advise Solomon, and he asks some younger advisors as well. The old men advise him to gently respond to the people, while the young men advise him to double down on the work his father had required of the people. And so, King Rehoboam, perhaps thinking that a presentation of strength might help his consolidation of power, says this to Israel when they all meet up again. He says, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Now, just quickly, yoke here is essentially another word for work burden of the people. Rehoboam announces he's going to be a tough taskmaster over the people. Years prior, the seeds of rebellion had been sown. They'd been watered for a few generations, and now with this word from King Rehoboam, they sprout. Listen to the response of the people. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel, who lived in the cities of Judah. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. What the prophet foretold came to pass. The northern ten tribes were torn away from Rehoboam, and now Jeroboam would rule over the northern kingdom, and Rehoboam would rule over the southern kingdom of two tribes. In just a few days, new allegiances were set, 
and one kingdom had become two. And note how the Bible describes the northern kingdom as being in rebellion against the house of David. God's choice to allow Jeroboam to rule over the ten northern tribes doesn't mean that God was rewarding righteousness on Jeroboam's part, nor that Jeroboam earned it. Instead, this was a judgment on Solomon's sin that had spilled over into the reign of his son, and God was using Jeroboam's rebellion to accomplish this judgment. And soon we see what kind of rebellion it really was, with a scene that echoes back to a time after Israel had left their Egyptian slavery. Listen to what Jeroboam thinks to himself, and then says to the people he rules over. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam king of Judah. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to the people, You have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Then this thing became a sin, and the people went as far as Dan to be before one. He also made temples on high places and appointed priests from all the people who were not of the Levites. Did you hear the nearly direct quote embedded in what we just read? You read almost the exact same thing way back in Exodus chapter 32. This is right after Aaron made the golden calf for Israel while Moses was on the mountain. Aaron said to the people after making this fake god, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And as readers, when we hear the same thing come out of Jeroboam's mouth, we're shocked. Now, we could view this in two potential ways. We might think that he is so ignorant of the law that he ironically and unknowingly quotes Aaron. Or we could also think that he's familiar enough with the law that he purposely quotes Aaron in his rebellion. Either way, these words are a significant indictment on Jeroboam's leadership and on the northern kingdom generally. And not only do we have this statement, but we have the golden calves. Jeroboam sets these two golden calves up for the northern ten tribes to worship so that they won't go back to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. From this, we know that this rebellion is not going to end well. After the political rebellion of splitting the kingdom, significant signs of rebellion against God's law are also showing. Just as the golden calf was a signal of Israel's rebellion against God in the wilderness, which was a prelude to further rebellion, the same is true here. The northern kingdom is a rebellious kingdom, and it's going to get worse from here. And yet, Despite this rebellion, we continue to see something highlighted over and over again that we should pay attention to. We keep seeing David's name. Long after David died, his name is still in constant use, and he is consistently referenced. And this is a significant element of the Bible as we continue on. Because of something important. Because of the Davidic covenant, David's name comes to represent not just a past king, but a coming king. This kingly seed of David that will somehow appear out of this small kingdom that's now a shell of its former glory. This coming king who will rule over an everlasting kingdom on David's throne. All this mention of David is a constant reminder to us as we read. Just as God has not forgotten his covenant with Abraham, 
He will not forget his covenant with David. He will preserve David's tribe, the tribe of Judah, and he will preserve the lineage of David until that one future king comes. Despite Israel's rebellion, a future king will come to rule over all Israel on David's throne. But that, that's still a long way off as we continue in this story. In our next episode, we'll keep discussing the kingdom of the north, this rebellious kingdom of Israel, and we will see one of the evil kings of the north and his response to Elijah, one of the most famous prophets of the Bible. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Are you enjoying the podcast? Leave us a five-star review on your podcast app. It will help people discover the Bible brief and be exposed to the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for helping us grow. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.